Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where you'll get the tools you need to master your money, marketing, and your motivation. I'm your host, Haley Luckadoo, the money and marketing coach, motivational speaker, and huge Dr. Pepper lover who is on a mission to connect you with women who are incredible at what they do with the hope that you will leave inspired, educated, and motivated to create the life that sets your soul on fire. Before we dive into another amazing episode, I am so excited to tell you about this week's show sponsor. It is the Money and Marketing Catalyst, which is my signature 12-week program for entrepreneurs and small business owners who are ready to go from stuck to scaling and fast. This program is for you if you are sick of coming up at the end of each month trying to find more ways to make some extra revenue or feel like you're on the content creation hamster wheel and you're constantly posting and engaging only to never drive sales from your marketing. MMC, as we like to call it, focuses on my core method, which is a four-step framework that we first apply to your business finances. So we'll dig into your numbers like you have never done before and get really deep into the details of your money. You'll master your profit margins, feel confident in your numbers, and have personalized and effective strategies for growing revenue each and every month. Then we'll spend the second half of our time together applying that core framework to your marketing. So this is not your standard marketing or social media tips and advice. You will actually learn methods and strategies that are really going to help your marketing. You'll become a content creation queen and you'll ditch all the stress and headache for marketing efforts that actually convert into sales without relying on ad spend. MMC is the program that I wish I had when I was ready to grow and scale my business. Consider what it's costing you to stay stuck where you are for the next three months. I guarantee that if you wait, if you don't jump on this now, you will look back wishing that you had just gone ahead and invested in yourself. This is the ultimate program to help transform your business into what you want it to look like, all with someone who's personally been right where you are, figured it out, and wants to help you succeed faster and easier. Enrollment for the Money and Marketing Catalyst is actually currently open for our next round that starts at the end of January. And as a thank you for being a listener of the show and a part of the Females on Fire community, I want to give you a gift. So if you are listening to this, I am giving you $400 off of the program and free access to my Finance Your Future course, which is my personal finance course to go along with all the business finance stuff that we'll talk about in MMC. So when you apply and you're accepted into the program, if you mention that you are a Females on Fire listener, you'll get that $400 off and get access to Finance Your Future. Just head over to Apply MMC. So for Money and Marketing Catalyst, apply mmc.com.
www.spotsmarketingmarketing.com and put in your application. Spots are super limited because I want to keep it small enough where you get tons of time with me and individualized help. So there are only a few spots and they will absolutely sell out. Don't wait to change your business because when you change your business, you change your life. And the money and marketing catalyst can be the catalyst, the propeller, the program that will help you do just that. So go ahead and enroll. Do not miss out. And again, head to applymmc.com and put in your application and my team will get you all of the details. Welcome back ladies to this episode of Females on Fire. Today we have another really amazing guest for you. Her name is Renee Cohen and Renee is a financial strategist and advocate for the modern woman. She specializes in helping women have a healthy money mindset and helps them up-level their financial game with effective strategies and solutions to authentically design their lives. In addition to helping her own clients thrive, Renee strives to positively impact individuals across the country by educating them on the importance of financial planning and building a positive relationship with money. So you can probably guess what we're going to be talking about today. I am so, so excited about this topic because Renee is going to be sharing her three power money moves that she believes every woman should be making. We also got into a little bit of talk around money mindset and where to get started if you want to really start upping your financial game. So this is such an incredible episode. I cannot wait for you to get to love Renee as much as I do and really start taking your money to the next level. Hi, Renee. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Haley. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. I love talking all things money. So I'm really excited to get to hear some of your financial tips and financial advice today. But before we dive into all that goodness, can you just tell everybody a little bit about you and how you became a financial advisor and what that whole journey has looked like for you? Yeah, awesome. Um, my path into uh, financial planning and financial empowerment definitely was not a linear one. Um, and I think sometimes a lot of people think that um, in order to be this financial expert, you know, someone had to be born into knowing money, liking numbers and all of that. And um, I certainly was not one of those. Um, I grew up in New York. I a fanatical sports fan for as long as I can remember all through my childhood, which really led me into wanting to work in the sports industry. Um, I specifically went to school. I went to the University of Florida. I fell in love with college athletics, which I really wasn't exposed to college athletics growing up in the Northeast. I was more a professional sports fan. And so going to school like Florida, I fell in love with college athletics and had this vision of becoming an athletic director at a big uh, university and pursued that uh, right out of school and realized fairly quickly that that wasn't going to be my path. That just didn't feel right to me. Um, and so I moved out to Los Angeles uh, shortly after, a few years after I graduated in 2003, 
and landed a job at Fox Sports, which really was my dream job, um, you know, working in sports media, but still um, touching uh, college sports and professional sports. So, you know, I kind of thought I was like, this is my dream career and I'll be at Fox for the rest of my life. And um, was with them for 10 years. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, regardless of your career path that you're currently on or what you thought you wanted to be uh, growing up or going right out of school, was that, you know, life and, um, and navigating through all that doesn't always match. And so for me, it really was, it was exciting and I loved it, but I realized, you know, 10 years in that I was on a path that really just no longer fit me and I was in my younger 30s and just realized that also what my salary was wasn't really allowing me to also reach some goal, personal goals that I had, which was, um, you know, just to have that financial security and not feeling like I was living paycheck to pay paycheck. So I started to organically have these conversations with my girlfriends. I feel like being in your young 30s, if you, it's like the time of your life where this adulting thing is actually happening. You're like, okay, I have to actually really start to adult. And specifically with my girlfriends, it felt like, I think from a generational perspective, it felt like uh, you know, maybe we were taught that you're supposed to get married and there's going to be another income coming into your household and, and your life was going to be somewhat, uh, you know, linear and, and it doesn't always happen that way. So I felt that as I looked around and my girlfriends were struggling with the same things, I'm like, how do we change this? How do we either not live paycheck to paycheck? How do we get the financial education that we need? We weren't making a ton of money. So it wasn't like we could just call up, you know, a quote unquote, financial advisor and get this education in a way that wasn't jargon, full of jargon, um, and that they actually took the time and, and, and to, to educate us. So as I went down that own path for myself to say, how do I not only empower myself for my future, but also to uh, help my friends, I just really developed this passion for financial literacy, for financial empowerment, really for women, but that, um, you know, that also grew into realizing that there's an investment gap, there's a gender gap, there's a pay gap, and all these things that the the education around money and the awareness and letting go of the money shame and all these things that you're supposed to be doing and that you should have done and all of those things that really lend to negative money mindset. Um, how do I help women with that? So again, my path really wasn't linear. And the more that I dove into that, I really discovered my passion and realized saw really saw how I could make an impact in this world more so than just you know frankly sitting behind the desk and I love sports and I still love sports but it also made me realize that I like to be a fan and maybe not work in the industry I mean nothing against the industry and so I really dove into it and and also along those lines was of course it's the education component to it right so I have to uh, be educated to have a thirst of knowledge for that and in a formal capacity, which is what I've done. But it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you have to love numbers and you have to be born into this. And so I think sometimes that's what, uh, you know, is the misconception. And so, um, and I've been doing this now for a few years and it's, it, it, it's, it's my calling, it's my passion. And I think our lives always lead us to a certain place um, you know, I can look back and say, oh, I wish I started this a little, you know, at the beginning of my career, but obviously my life story is, is, is it's a sum 
of all of its parts. I love that. I love that last part that it's a sum of all its, all of its parts. Cause I think sometimes when we finally find the thing that we really feel like we were meant to do, you know, like we love it so much, we do kind of have that, that little bit of almost regret that we didn't find it earlier or find it sooner. And, uh, so I, I love that, that you look at it that way. And I love that you mentioned too, that, you know, especially you talked about getting into your thirties and stuff that you kind of start to really feel that that adulting thing is real. And, and you start to realize that there was almost this misconception that you were supposed to get married and then, you know, get this like corporate career or do whatever and have two incomes. And, and I think it's just, I, I always love talking about stuff like that because I think it's such a great reminder that your life doesn't have to look like anybody else's, you know, and there's not, there's not a, a plan. Like we can all sit down and make a plan for what next year is going to look like and what our five-year plan is going to look like or a 10-year plan and talk about where we want to be years from now. But I think if this year especially has taught us anything, it's that not everything goes according to plan and that your life isn't going to look like anybody else's. And especially for our listeners, that your business isn't going to look like anybody else's or your career. Uh, so I, I love that. I love that, you know, you had that sort of transition and that you don't really regret your, your first choice of career and that you still have this sort of positive feelings toward it. I'd love to know, just cause I'm curious, what did that feel like leaving Fox? Cause I feel like that had to be kind of almost a little bit scary to venture into something new after having sort of built up a career with that company. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's scary. I mean, I can look back, you know, seven years in and say, oh yeah, I was, <laughs> forget the the fear and the feelings of anxiety that, that was wrapped around it. Um, and I think anytime, anytime in our life uh, that you're making a change, you're making a transition, whether that's personal, whether that's career, um, whatever that may be, there's always going to be the fear of the unknown and the anxiety. And I think inherently, and this is obviously very generally speaking, um, you know, just with my own experience and talking with, you know, thousands of women over the years is that women, we tend to be risk, we're not risk adverse. I think that's always a misconception too, is that we're just more risk aware. So I think those feelings of the unknown, um, really can sometimes really hold us back. And it certainly held me back because as I started to have this idea of that percolated in my head that I was no longer happy on my career path, um, I didn't know what that looked like. And I didn't, I was so fearful for almost a, almost a year, maybe even a little bit longer uh, to get off the path because I was so worried about what did other people think of me and uh, do I really want to go down this path of the unknown? And even though I'm not happy, it's just sometimes you can be happy in your discomfort, uh, or you can try to reckon, you know, reconcile all of it. And then it gets to a point where you're like, this is not the way that life should be. Uh, I should not be living my life this way. And so if I don't rip off the bandaid and if I don't walk into this unknown and this fear, then I'll never, I'll have the regret. Um, and so I definitely had all of those feelings because I come from a corporate, uh, background where I was used to getting, even if it wasn't that large, right. It was a paycheck and I had that stability. I had the healthcare benefits and all of those things that, you know, give you some sense of security. Um, what I didn't 
what I really underestimated, uh, and that's something going into this, when I finally ripped the band and I said, yep, I'm gonna do this, I'm going to embrace this change, the part that I really underestimated and did, wasn't really fully mentally prepared for was the identity shift. Um, I think since I was eight years old, I wanted to work in the sports industry and I achieved that. It may have not been to the level or may didn't or may it didn't it may have not looked exactly what I thought it was going to look like. But to your point, you can try to write out your life script and write out the plan, but things don't always go exactly to the T because life is fluid, you know, and you have to you have to be proactive. And so I think what I struggled with at the beginning was the identity shift of going into, you know, something that I grew up wanting to do, even though I was moving into my passion, I really struggled with what other people thought of me. And that was really the first time in my life that as much as you can say you don't care, um, I think because I was stepping into a service uh industry and as a provider and wanting to provide a service and help people with that i struggled with that identity if that makes sense it does it definitely does and i'm so glad you touched on that because i think and i don't want to get too into this because i know we we want to get into the money conversation but i love that you touched on this because i think this is something that especially as women we don't talk about enough. I know there are conversations about it, about, you know, that career transition and, and taking risks and, um, you, you know, being willing to make those shifts. But I feel like a lot of times, even in the women that do it and do it successfully, it doesn't get talked about. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, I did it. And sure. It was scary at the time, but, and that's kind of it. We don't really dive into the fear behind it, or especially what that identity shift looks like once it happens. And I, I totally understand that identity shift. I didn't come from a corporate background, but e even in college, like I very much had an idea of what my life should look like and what I felt like it was going to look like and had that kind of all ripped away and went through that sort of identity crisis almost where you're trying to figure out like, who am I outside of what I thought I would be, who am I outside of this career or this industry or this business? Yeah. And I, I just feel like that's something that we don't share enough about that, that journey of, of feeling like you're absolutely terrified because, you know, maybe you don't have the stable paycheck or the stable hours or stable clients or whatever, or, um, you know, that it is something new and something scary that you haven't done before. And so I'm really just glad that you touched on that. Cause I think it makes it more real to hear, you know, for lack of a better term to hear those stories. I, I just think a lot of times we hear, especially, I just think, especially with women, because I feel like a lot of times we're kind of almost struggling a little more to get the spotlight and be taken seriously sometimes. And so when we do finally get a moment to kind of share our journey or share what it has looked like for ourselves, we want to show the best parts, you know, yep. we want to, we want to say like, oh, here's how I did it so that you can do it too. But that doesn't leave us a lot of time to dive into all the, the hard parts, you know, the, the really deep, tough stuff. So totally. I, 
I think when you dive into that, it makes it a little more realistic. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, for sure. Cause I do think, and I know we want to get into the money stuff is it's, it, it's women. It, I think it really is about the confidence, you know? And I think if we, if we talk more about it, that making that shift and, and how to, uh, you know, allow your identity to evolve as well. And you think about things as chapters, then I don't know. I think we can really help each other from a confidence perspective because I fight it every single day, even to this, to this day, right. Is, is the imposter syndrome, no matter how many designations or courses I can take, I'm still fighting. Like, do, do I, am I, do I have enough to say to someone? Right. And I do, but it's the, it's the inner voice and it's the identity part of it that, um, especially as a service, you know, when you're in a, in a service industry, right. Like I come from a place where, I'm offering people a great service to, for financial security. I want to be able to share that with people. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to become a client of mine or I'm going to be the best fit for everyone. And I think for me, it was learning how to shift outside of the corporate identity and, and being able to hide behind that a little bit, right? It wasn't really ever branding Renee Cohen and what Ray, Renee really brought to the table. It was now me shifting from that to being able to communicate to people, what do I do? What my passion is, why I want to help, especially women with financial security and the education around that and feeling like in an organic way where I'm like, are people going to think that I'm just trying to sell, sell them, you know? And that was my biggest thing at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Oh, I love this. I think we could dive into that and just talk about I that know. for an entire episode, <laughs> but let's get into the money stuff because yes. I know that's why our listeners are here. So really quickly, before we dive into these three power money moves that you think women should make, which I'm so excited to hear about, can you just kind of paint a picture of what should financial self-care look like? I feel like we hear that term sometimes and we're not really a hundred percent sure what it means. You know, we think of self-care and we think of taking a day off and going to a spa and relaxing and giving our brain a break. So what does that look like in terms of your finances? Yeah, no, great question. Um, I think a lot of times people think, you know, this, the word self-care, uh, which <laughs> is so meaningful, especially this year, I think so, so many times we think about just our physical, you know, our physical being, our spiritual being, our mental well-being, but very rarely do we wrap the financial, uh, our financial well-being and health as part of that. And so, um, you know, practicing that self-care, just like in any other way, is, is also with your money and learning how to be present um, with your money and be intentional with your cash flow and not have your head under the sand that I know a lot of us like to do because it can feel overwhelming to be like, I don't know where every penny goes. And you don't need to know where every penny goes, but practicing the self-care around having intentionality around what's coming in the door and what's going out the door without any sort of shame or judgment. If you're in a corporate setting or in an entrepreneurial setting, really you're the CEO of your life. So you have to have that awareness. Um, and having that financial self-care really is being aware. Uh, it also is saving for uh, your financial independence to save and to invest strategically for your financial independence now 
a lot of times people are like, oh, I'll deal with it later, or I don't have enough, you know, I'm too, my, my income is variable, I'm trying to build this business, or I'm not making enough money yet. Um, it really is to, to, to be an advocate for yourself and your financial independence now, no matter where you are, and really protecting yourself from any sort of risk that you're unwilling to participate in. And that's all of these unexpected things that can happen in life. Uh, we're certainly living in a year where it just feels like there's one thing after another that is you know, trying to knock us off our feet. And so being the financial self-care and being financially well means looking at those risks and making sure that anything that does come your way, it's not completely taking you, you know, completely knocking you down. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said you're the CEO of your life, like regardless of what you do, you know, as your career, you're the one that's in control of your life and your finances and your situation. So I, I, I love, I wrote that down because I love that quote and that idea that regardless of, you know, what you've been taught, what you do, how things have been for you in the past, what your paycheck looks like, you know, regardless of what your income or expenses are, you are ultimately the one that's in control of that. And you, you're the one that can control if more money comes in, you know, you can go make more money or you can cut back on expenses or you can spend more, or you can do whatever you want because it is your life and your situation. So I think that's important yep. to remember. And then you also mentioned, you know, just doing that without shame and without judgment. And I think, I think a lot of times people are afraid to actually, you know, not even necessarily make a budget, but just like afraid to look at their finances and really dive into their financial situation because somewhere in their mind, they already sort of have an idea of what it looks like. And they do feel shame around that, or they do feel, um, you know, those negative feelings and emotions toward it. And so it's, it's one of those, like, you know, it's just better not to know kind of thing. So they just avoid it. And I feel like that's where a lot of people get into serious financial trouble because instead of just saying, Hey, I'm going to allow myself to just, you know, be present where I am with my money and, you know, get a grip on my finances and start really looking into it and really making smart financial decisions. But I'm not going to judge myself for it. I'm not going to shame myself for it. I'm not going to put myself down because of it. Instead of doing that, they just go, no, well, I'd rather not look because I already have an idea of what it looks like and I don't like it. So I feel like that's where a lot of negative financial situations end up kind of starting from. 100%, maybe even a thousand percent. I think <laughs> it's, right, it's, it's the narratives that we tell ourselves and, um, and especially in the financial aspect is if you tell yourself, well, I, you know, I don't need to know, or I don't want to know, I know you and you know, in some capacity, you are not living authentically. And what I mean by that is that maybe you're overspending on something and that you are, you know, you're spending more money either in your living expenses or in your discretionary expenses. And your narrative is to, well, I don't want to deal with it because I don't want to make a change and it's just too hard. It's too complicated. There's no way that I can limit myself or 
whatever it may be. And so then it just, the shame continues to just build upon itself and no one can help you other than yourself, right? Like you have to, it really has to start with you to have that awareness and to have the, it's not always going to be pretty. There's going to maybe be some pain around it, but you have to start to shed some of the negative narratives um, and the stories that you're telling yourself that it's, that it's not worth it. Um, the shame, there's, we all can find shame in our lives in any aspect. And if you let the shame control you, then your money's controlling you, right? It's, if you're just looking at it just from a numbers, like putting, putting black and white, putting numbers down on a piece of paper, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is, then those numbers don't have control over you. So the more that you allow those numbers to have control of you, you can't make any sort of shift. And where there is discomfort is growth. So you have to let go of that shame. I certainly have not been always had to, always had the best money habits. You don't have to be perfect. It just means like, hey, let's just start where we are. And that's perfectly fine. Yes, yes. Start where you are. I love that. I love that. I think that really applies to anything. Like you just, I mean, especially with money, but anything mm -hmm. that you're doing, like you've got to recognize. And I think it's so much easier for us to recognize that when it's something else, right? Like take starting a new career. Like we were just talking about, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh, well, of course I don't, you know, know everything I need to know yet. Or of course I don't have perfect habits or routines around this yet because I'm just starting. But with our money, it's like we, the second we step into adulthood, we feel like we should have a handle on it already. Right. Yeah. And so totally. we, we build out this, like you said, narrative in our mind that what we're doing isn't good enough and we should be farther along and yeah. that we should be farther along in our finances and, and sort of with that money mindset. And so I think that's what holds a lot of people back. So I'm glad we, we, stepped into that first. Cause I think that financial self-care piece is a really, really important part to being successful in any kind of capacity with money. I don't think, I, I personally don't believe that you can actually really make good financial decisions, not just like subpar financial decisions, not just like getting through your daily life and paying your bills, but actually make really good financial decisions, like investing or like you know, saving, planning for your future, like all of that type of stuff. I don't think you can do that until you really have that sort of mindset piece down. And like you said, not that you have to be perfect by any means, but you at least have to recognize where you're at and learn to, you know, so, sort of not necessarily be okay with it, but accept where you are and, and make decisions based off of that and, and based off of where you want to go from where you are. For sure. And I think it really is stepping into having a growth minded mentality and having a growth men, uh, based mentality means that you know that you're always going to be evolving and growing and you can make those decisions from an abundant perspective and without the fear of you're making a wrong move, you're making a bad move or you're shaming yourself. Whereas a lot of times when we are just bringing the negative energy because we've told ourselves these narratives for so long, you're making decisions, you're bringing that negative energy to those decisions. 
Absolutely. How do you break through that? You know, if you, um, you can't really, like you said, you can't really be successful at whatever you want to achieve, um, especially on the financial side, if you're, if you're constantly making these decisions from the fear-based perspective. Definitely. Definitely true. So let's dive into these money moves. I'm so curious to hear what these are uh, and really excited because I know this is probably the part that everybody's tuning in for. So once you've gotten that mindset piece down, once you've gotten that financial self-care piece down, what are these three power moves, power money moves that you have that you think women should be taking and why are they so important? Yeah. So I'd like to organize, uh, you know, this into, it sounds pretty simple just to say, okay, here's these three moves. And if I just do these three moves and everything is going to be perfect and gravy. Um, but I really like try to organize even within these three moves, organize things to simplify because sometimes the, the topic of money, what I hear over and over again, is that it's complicated. It's confusing. I don't know where to start. Even if I am making good money or I'm just starting my business or I'm starting, I'm starting my career. I certainly felt that way as well and try to organize things and simplify it and then be able to digest the information uh, that is relevant. Um, so the first move, which is really lends itself to just the money mindset that we were talking about and being the CEO of your life is intentionality. And the intentionality starts with having month, uh, having intentionality around your monthly cash flow. I purposely call it monthly cash flow versus budgeting because that word budgeting is from a, from a negative, it, it, it evokes so many emotions within us that tend to be, again, that fear-based or that limited-based mindset. Um, so I think that the cash flow allows us to really start to build through that and, and think about it from an abundant perspective. So that really is having tracking where your money is going. And again, as we talked about, it can evoke a lot of emotions, but if you can really think about it from a perspective of, let me, without any sort of shame, completely guilt-free, really look at where am I spending my money and organize it into three main categories. Is my living expenses, where these are the expenses I still have to pay. The mortgage, the rent, my car insurance, my car payment, all of those things that you still have to pay no matter what is happening. And certainly in a year like we're living in right now, there's going to be some concessions because we're all going through this uh, you know, public health pandemic and providers or you know, mortgage companies, landlords and insurance companies are going to be um, you know, sensitive to, to what's going on. But if we're not living in a pandemic and this is not a global issue or a national issue, and it's an individual thing, you still have your bills to pay, right? Put a roof over your head. So those are your living expenses. And then you have your discretionary, which are your variable expenses. Those are maybe your lifestyle expenses, uh, depending on what you do, where you live, um, what your passions are outside of your uh, your profession, um, maybe your family structure, and then think about your savings. And you have those three categories. And we'll get to certainly take a little bit of a deeper dive into where to save. 
generally speaking, I like to see people with their living expenses somewhere between 50 to 60%. So this is where taking your head out of the sand and having the, the awareness and saying, this is where I'm spending my money. And this is where sometimes if you're living in a city where the, the, the cost of living is a lot higher. And I know, you know, again, this year has maybe helped people think about, do I really need to be living in the city? Or maybe I can live somewhere else where it's more cost effective if I'm working remotely. But, um, you know, this is really where I see a lot of people overspending. Um, and, but to really just put that down and say somewhere between 50 to 60% should be my living expenses. And then I should divide out the, the 40%, um, 20% into savings and 20% into discretionary. The follow-up question I usually get is like, there's no way that I can just have 20% of my discretionary. I'm definitely overspending or I need this. Um, and in some capacity, that's perfectly fine. You know, I think it is, again, the intentionality of where am I spending my dollars? Where are those variable dollars going? What are my non-negotiables within that? And what are my negotiable factors? And if you can't save 20%, that's not to give you permission to say, well, then I'll just do zero. I'll just spend everything. 1% is better than zero. 2% is better than zero. And it's to work your way up to ideally 20%. And it may not happen this year. It may not happen next year, but it's okay to work yourself up and have progress. So it really start to me, that is the fundamental foundational piece of having financial security, awareness. If you don't know where money's going, no one on the outside can really help you. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned working your way up too, because I know, you know, I've, with the podcast, with the coaching that I do and stuff, I've had a lot of conversations around money and I see so many people that they are like, well, I can't get my, you know, expenses down that low. So I'm not going to bother with saving at all, or I'm not going to bother with investing at all, or I'm not, not going to do this or you know, I can't save 20%. So I'm just, like you said, going to go spend it all and not worry about it. Like it, it's like anything else, you know, it's, it's building a muscle. You got to build up to it. You've got to, you know, get, you know, we were talking about those habits earlier. You've got to build those financial habits for saving a little before you can build those habits for saving a lot, you know? And so I think, I think so often we use that almost as a crutch like just make excuses for why we can't do something or why we can't save money or why we can't, you know, be financially savvy. And, and we do make those excuses like, well, you know, I, I couldn't move out of the city because of this and this and this. And the reality is those excuses are just that they're excuses. Like you could, you know, find ways to make things work if you wanted to. So I feel like we use that a lot. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that about, you know, starting where you're at and starting with what you have and building up to, to something better. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we're living also in a culture where it's the comparison culture, right? We're seeing things on social media and it certainly isn't going to be a conversation about social media, but I think social media is a great platform, but it can also be to our detriment and, what you think that other people have, they probably don't have. And so you never have to make excuses. And, you know, this is, it's easier said than done, but it's also, you have to work this into your mindset is that where you live or how you live or selling someone, you know, telling someone, no, I can't go to dinner. You don't have to always have an explanation. There's a period at the end of no. 
right? And I say that very callously, but I mean, obviously with empathy and you can say, no one else is going to advocate for yourself than for you than than yourself. And so um, it really is looking at it and not and not allowing those excuses to creep in. And when you see it, just say, okay, they're here. What can I do to give give myself some grace around it and make sure that I'm making some progress versus allowing it to continue to perpetuate? Yes, absolutely. And it it just goes right back to that whole thing about being the CEO of your own life. Like you are the one in control. So, you know, not that, not that you should shame yourself or judge yourself or anything at all, but if you want things to be different and you don't take the actions to make them different, then that is on you. Right. And that is your responsibility, right? Um, I've, I've always heard people talk about like, you know, where you're at now may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility, right? It's your responsibility to fix it moving forward. 100%. And so I think that a hundred percent applies with your money. Like we grow up with so many um, expectations and stigmas and just, you know, thoughts surrounding money that come from, you know, our parents, it comes from the way we grow up. It comes from what we watch on TV. It comes from the society we live in. You know, I think if you go off to college, like you get a whole new set of money experiences. Like we gain all of these experiences and all of these thoughts and feelings about money. And then we come into adulthood and it's like, okay, well, that's not your fault. It's not your fault that you were taught this. It's not your fault that, you know, you said in the beginning, you didn't necessarily grow up learning everything about money. Right. But so that's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to do better, especially if you're sitting around going, Oh, well, you know, I really wish that I had savings. I really wish that I knew how to start investing. I really wish that I knew how to actually plan financially for my future and feel secure in my financial future. Well, you can, and it doesn't, it literally does not matter what happened yesterday it's on you to figure out how to make it work for tomorrow. And maybe that just starts with, you know, saving 1%. Maybe that starts with just getting to know your numbers. Maybe that's, you know, diving into investing or, or more savings or whatever. Like it's going to look different for everybody based on where you're at, but you've really got to dig into that and figure out, okay, you know, what are these thoughts and feelings that I need to let go of and where do I need to put my ego aside and recognize that if I want things to change, I have to be the one to change them. 100%. And, you know, your past doesn't dictate your future, but it can dictate your future if you're not, uh, if, if you don't take that accountability and the responsibility. And, you know, when I hear from people who say, oh, you know, I was never taught money in my household or my parents weren't good with money or people that I was around growing up, or maybe they were good with money, but they didn't really teach me those strategies. The reality is, is that, we're living in a very different generation than our parents. So what they did to arrive to their future is different than how we're going to need to arrive to our future. So it's a con it's, it's being aware and, and having again, a gross, a growth based mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just think that that piece, that growth mindset is everything. Like, I think if you, it literally does not matter how little you know about money or how bad you are at math or what your expenses are. Like, I think if you have that, that growth mindset piece and you really 
want to do better and you're willing to be the beginner, you know, you're willing to fail, you're willing to, you know, walk into rooms where you have absolutely no idea what the conversation looks like and you're willing to put yourself out there in those ways and, and do the things you need to do, like talk to a financial advisor or read the articles on the internet or, you know, start squirreling away money into your savings, like whatever you need to do. If you're willing to take those steps and you have that growth mindset, I think eventually you will absolutely 110% be successful with your money. Like you will be a, a smart financial person because I think if you've got that, that growth mindset and you know that you want to do better, then you will do better. And yeah. regardless of, you know, where you're at right now, like you could be living in the crappiest apartment ever and have absolutely no money. And I still think that you've got, you know, an abundance of, yeah, an abundance of opportunities. Absolutely. That of where you can go because it, you know, you've got that growth mindset. I think if you could have all the money in the world and not have that growth mindset and you're not going to ever really be a financially savvy person because you've got to have that mindset piece. Yep. 100%. And that lends into like the second uh, power move, which is saving your money, saving and investing your money. And sometimes it goes hand in hand, but uh, the way that I like to help to organize or to simplify, because I think that's really what becomes the black hole for a lot of people is like, well, I don't know where to save my money um, or how to save my money. And so there just seems to be so many things out there. So, so many competing uh, opinions and I'm not too sure what this vehicle does versus that vehicle. So I like to just organize it and simplify it first and foremost into time horizons. And what I mean by that is to now look at your goals and to say, what am I looking to accomplish? Where am I looking to progress? And to think about things from a short-term perspective, a mid-term perspective, and a long-term perspective. If something is short-term, um, somewhere between three, zero to three years. And so what fits into that is your emergency fund. Again, we're living in a year where so many unexpected things have happened. Um, no one could forecast that in March of 2020, we had a pandemic that basically shut us down, changed the way that we work, and all of that and it impacted people's income. You need to have some sort of emergency fund. And generally speaking, I like to see three to six months worth of expenses um, in cash savings, in a regular savings account. If you don't have three months, or you don't have four months, you don't have six months, again, this isn't meant to say, well, if I can't, if I don't have that, then therefore I'm a failure. It is trying to work your way up to maybe just a month, maybe then up to two months, then up to three months, but to, to make sure that you have some sort of flexibility in cash. So you're not completely thrown off guard, right? Or can't address an emergency. And then if something's a goal, some that's somewhere in a short-term perspective a zero again you know a year from now or two years from now you want to have that in cash because you want to have the liquidity the access this and and the ability to leverage those dollars at any point without it being tied quote unquote tied up into in a vehicle so whether that's a regular savings account or a high yield savings account but that kind of organizes your short term then there's this 
and especially for a lot of us where we're like, we, we know that there is like living in the present right now. And then there's this thing far, far off into the future called retirement. But there's a lot of life that's going to happen in between these two goalposts. This is where I'll use my little sports analogy. And midterm, so life between, you know, maybe your four-year self to your eight-year self. So just to kind of picture, like, where do I want to be? Like, what am I trying to achieve? Am I growing my family? Am I trying to build, you know, safer down payment? Am I, you know, saving for, you know, maybe growing my family and having children? Maybe think about your four to eight-year self, and that's where you want to have money into a different, into a different vehicle, which is usually an investment account. Um, and just our opportunity for growth, because the more that you keep money in cash, it's only going to lose its value to inflation. So if something is not, again, in that you know two to three year range, you want it, you want to get it out of cash. You don't want to just sit there under in cash and shove it under the mattress. It's really lumpy. It's going to be uncomfortable sleeping on that mattress if you just shove all that money under there. So after the midterm, then you want to think about your long term future, your eight plus year self. And there's, there's different vehicles that you can address uh, those goals, which again is an investment account. The difference between the midterm and the long-term investment account means how we're, because the different time horizons, is you may wanna be, you wanna have maybe different investment choices within those accounts. But being in the market, according to your risk tolerance, how do you feel about being on the roller coaster ride of the market, but getting your toes wet and dipping into, Getting yourself in the game is really important. Um, but again, making sure you're having the right, the investment selections according to those time horizons, whether it's midterm or long-term. Long-term can also be real estate. If you, if you own a property, it takes time for that property to build equity. Um, there's other vehicles that give you um, the opportunity for growth, but maybe that are not market-based assets like the real estate or investments that can help with your long-term future. And then the fourth one is your retirement accounts, your traditional retirement accounts uh, that we hear so much about that we're conditioned to hear about, which is the 401k if you're working in a corporate setting or the IRAs if you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business. There's different types of individual retirement accounts that you can contribute into. There's a Roth, IRA, all of these vehicles, the IRS has their rules and regulations around. I like to tie that up into what's called a retirement account. And when you think about your money into those four main time horizons and you tie it all together, doesn't mean that you have to address all four at the same time. It just means that you want to think about what be have intentionality around your goals and to start to work yourself towards what are you know prioritizing your goals and where should I be putting some money I love how you broke this down because you made it seem so simple and I I think when we talk about saving and especially saving for retirement and uh you know all those types of things I think it can get somewhat frustrating for a lot of people because it feels so complicated, so overwhelming. There are so many different, you know, even just with investing, it's like you said, there's kind of your short-term investing, and then you want to start to think longer into the future as well. And so I think people get so frustrated with all the different thoughts and terminologies and types of accounts and all these things. And I think, you know, a lot of times we we get so focused on saving for retirement that we forget to do that short-term saving, or we get so focused on 
building that emergency fund that we don't think about eight years from now and, you know, stuff like that. So I like the way that you sort of broke it down into levels and made it really simple to comprehend and simple to think about. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think about, we forget that our future self is three years from now. Our future self is five years from now is eight years from now. Certainly you always want to be thinking about, you know, quote unquote retirement because it's important. None of us can recreate time. So the, what retirement really is, isn't just arriving to an age and saying, okay, I'm done working because that's just not necessarily what our, you know, visions are anymore. Sometimes we're working, you know, maybe we're continuing to work because your business, you're like, I can continue to work. I just may not want to take on as many clients or whatever that may mean. Retirement in this day and age is arriving to your future self with the option and the flexibility to have that decision, to be in the driver's seat of that decision. There's nothing that's more stressful than arriving to your future self and having to continue to work or getting a job because you don't have the money coming in. Totally agree with that. Yes. And the, you know, when it comes to investing, and I know that's a much deeper topic to kind of get into, but on a very high level, I think some of the common investment mistakes that I see is people reacting to the media. And we're certainly living in a day and age where it's like, you can drink from a fire hose, you know, anything that you, you know, put on TV or read on the internet. So it's overreacting to the media or hearing what their friends, you know, friends are saying, oh, you should invest into this. You should invest into that. And not really having a philosophy for yourself. And that's predicated around what your goals are. Trying to time the market. Um, you know, saying either I'm afraid to get in because it's a volatile year or I'm too afraid I'm going to lose money and just trying to wait and wait for like the market to rebound, which is not a good time to actually get into the market. It's actually the opposite. Um, and having that lack of long-term focus and planning. And when you do have all of those pieces with the right guidance, then, you know, the investment world isn't so scary. It's just a matter of, is it always going to be perfect? No, but you have to get your foot in the game in order for your money to grow. And I find that a lot of women, again, we're more risk aware. So we just want to know, okay, what are the pros and cons? And I need the education around these vehicles or this investment choice so I can be informed enough to say, you know, I'm willing to take a little bit of that risk or I'm willing or I'm willing to take on more risk. Yes. Yes. I love how you make it simple. <laughs> I think, like I said, I just think it gets way too complicated. And um, I, it's like you said, we, you just got to get your foot in the game, right? Like you've, it's, it goes back to everything we were talking about with career changes and the mindset piece and all of that stuff. It's literally just allowing yourself the ability to be a beginner, like allowing yourself the permission to fail or for it to not be perfect, right? Like just giving yourself that permission to say, okay, I don't necessarily 100% know what I'm doing. I don't necessarily expect this to turn out the way I'm hoping just on the first try, but I'm going to go ahead and, you know, take a little bit of the risk here and, and dive in. Totally. And I think the third one to really, to tie that all together, which is really the most important, I'm, you know, I say that it's three, but it doesn't mean that it's third on the priority list. It really should be the first on the priority list, which is really protecting your money and in your financial security because that 
it's like buying a home going into, and I think I always use this analogy because we really understand for the most part in, you know, real estate in the fact that like, if I was to go look for a home and my dream home and the foundation is not solid and it's like a little shaky, I wouldn't want to buy that house. I'd be afraid to live in that house. So in your financial life, because it's intangible, sometimes hard to wrap your head around that. If you don't have a solid foundation, you can easily be knocked off your feet by not, when you're not protecting your money, not having an emergency fund, right? When an unexpected event happens, not having income protection if you're unable to work for a long period of time due to an injury or illness, which happens more often than people realize. One of four people is going to experience a disability. And a disability isn't meaning like, oh, I can't like walk ever again or, um, or such a traumatic injury or accident. It means I, I, have, uh, I have a client who's been out of work for two years after a snowboarding accident. Um, but in this day and age, it's back, back issues. For women, it's complications with pregnancy, postpartum depression, um, you know, cancer. So those are things that if you don't have your income protected, whether in the corporate setting or as an entrepreneur, uh, or as a business owner, it is important because those bills will still keep on coming and you're, and you're, you can be draining your, your saving, any savings that you have and starting all over again. And then also not protecting yourself and your family, your future family. So for all those single ladies out there who are like, okay, well, I don't have a, a spouse yet. I don't have kids. Well, we're getting married later on in life. We're having kids later on in life if we're choosing that. And so you want to you wanna be an advocate for your future family. What happens if you have student loans or a mortgage? Do you want to leave that behind for your family? God forbid there is a premature death. So, and especially if you, for those of us that do have children on here, being a, being a parent means that you have to protect your kid's future. So all of those pieces, which is not having an emergency fund, making sure that you have the right, what's called long-term disability insurance and having the right life insurance in place really provides you a foundation, a solid foundation of any risks that really can't knock you off your feet. And that's going to be different for every single person. There is no cookie cutter plan. So to tie all of those three power moves, which is being intentional with your monthly cash flow, saving and investing, and protecting your money, you need to tie that all together into a plan that that fits you. And there is no, no such thing as a cookie cutter plan. And looking at those pieces and allowing that plan to evolve as you evolve. I love that. I love how you tied it all together at the end. And I think that's I think it all just comes back to just creating some type of plan, right? Like just knowing that, okay, I want to start, you know, being a financially savvy person, or I want to make sure I have a secure financial future or a secure financial future for, like you said, my, my family, my kids, whatever, any type of decision like that. I think it all just stems from you've got to start creating a plan. And I love that these three like money moves that you've talked about, that is your plan. Like that it's broken down into three easy steps. And yeah, there's a lot of little, you know, individual things to do within each step. But I think if you 
if you walk through the, and this is what I hope our listeners get out of this. If you walk through the, these three steps and you've got that mindset piece, then you're golden. Like you're going to eventually start building that savings. You're going to eventually, um, you know, start to dive into some type of investments. You're going to have a plan for, you know, if a, a crisis happens or if something bad happens and you're going to be covered. And that's the whole point is just to make sure that you are planning your future financial life and, and planning your finances and planning your money the same way that you plan all your other goals, right? We have career goals. We have health goals. It's like you said, we, when we were talking about self-care, you tend to think of like your, your physical health and your physical self-care and, and emotional self-care, but we tend to leave out this financial piece. And ultimately this financial piece can make a huge impact on, you know, your health, on your career, on your emotional well-being. Like it can impact all of those things. So we should be planning for it and and creating those plans and trying to find that stability and security the same way that we do for all our other types of goals. Yep. It's so important because it's it's very easy for for time to really pass us by. And, um, you know, the benefit or the experience that I have is that I work with, I work with women in all sorts of facets of their life, right? Working with a lot of, you know, people that are maybe mid-career or looking to transition their career all the way into the pre-retiree market. And, um, you know, the conversations that I have with people that are in their 50s and 60s who are unprepared for retirement, the biggest regret that they have is that they didn't try to save a little bit more early on, or they didn't, you know, they didn't push themselves out of their comfort zone to save, you know, that extra $200. And it's, you know, we can all get to a place of hindsight's 2020, and it doesn't mean financial planning, financial saving, and doesn't mean that you sit at home eating ramen noodles and not having any fun or travel in your life when we're able to travel again. It really means living a balanced life. So you can continue to be an advocate for your future self while you are enjoying your present life. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I think that's probably a good line to close on. So we'll, we'll close it out there. I love, love this advice. I think, like I said, you broke it down into really easy steps. And I feel like it's kind of tangible steps for our listeners to follow, especially if they are in that stage where they're kind of getting started or, you know, maybe they, they feel like they're okay with their money, but they're not really saving. So they want to dive into that or, you know, whatever. I feel like no matter where you're at in the process, like this is a good uh, episode in terms of, you know, knowing where to go next and knowing what to look for next and making sure that you have that plan and that you're, you're safe and secure in your financial future. For sure. And it is starting. And especially for those that are, you know, business owners and starting their business and in a place where there could be a lot of fear around that of getting your next client or getting your next project to get paid, you know, it's, there is, there's always, it's working within that as well, right? And, 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 and knowing that you can't maybe do everything at once, but just focusing on one thing at a time. And so this is also for people, obviously, you know, I think the big thing that I hear a lot is like, well, I have variable income or I'm building my business, therefore I can't do. And I'm, 
I hope that if anyone you know takes away from this is that it really is about um, looking at the place that you're at and 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 not looking at it from a limiting perspective. Definitely, definitely love that. All right, we are going to head into the rapid fire round since it's the end of the episode. So I've got five really quick questions for you, just fun little questions to close out the show, and you just answer with whatever pops into your head first. Fun. All right. What is one part of your morning routine that you love? I work out every morning. I love that. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. It sets my mind right. It makes me feel good. Even when I hate the alarm (laughs) in the morning, but I work, I love to work out in the morning. It's like one thing that is like without fail. I do. I love it. I wish I had your motivation. I am a afternoon workout person because I can't do it in the morning. I love it. All right. What is the last book that you read? Oh my God. What is the, it it is, and it's complete. The name is escaping me. It is, um, and I will give it the background just so people who may, because it's literally escaping me. I'm seeing it on my nightstand right now. I just can't think of the title, but it is um, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, because I'm a big, huge sports fan. Specifically, I love the NBA and, and college football, but their trainer um, wrote a book uh, really, and it's, it's the mental fortitude and how Kobe, Dwayne, and Michael really uh, ascended to such greatness in their career. Um, it is his, um, it's his book and it's, I I really wish I can remember the title, but I can't. That's okay. It sounds really good. I'll have to go look that up because I, I always love stuff like that of like how, you know, like big successful people became successful. Like, I think those are always really cool books. And then other book that I also, cause I always trying to read books like concurrently is Pivot. Um, even though I've pivoted my career, you know, years ago, it's still, I think for anyone who is looking to pivot their career or is, uh, pivoting their career or just even, even part of any part of like, you know, some business growth, it's just the, the book is called pivot and I can't remember the, the author, but (laughs) those are my, yeah, I think we have a lot of listeners who make, you know, small pivots in their businesses and stuff all Mm -hmm. the time. So that'd probably be really helpful. I love that. All right. What are you most looking forward to in the upcoming season? So this can be personal or professional, your choice, but what is something that you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to maybe having a change of pace and a change of scenery, especially after this year. Um, That is really what I'm looking forward to is, you know, taking the lessons of this year, Um, I think I've made personally, I've made strides from, you know, with my business, I have made strides, pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I'm in a period where I do feel like the monotony of the day is just starting to weigh on me. And I cannot wait to kind of take some of these lessons and really, yeah, just kind of have some sort of normal life again. I think we all agree with that. (laughs) I love it. I think we all can relate to that one. All right. What is a tool or a resource that you use in your business that you would just absolutely recommend? You love it. That I use in my business is my CRM. You know, is a is a way to, you know, you have to, you're having, you know, especially in my business, I'm having so many conversations with people. Um, in, in conversations around a topic that's intimate, right? So it is really important for me to have a system where I can 
you know, note not only the, you know, maybe the, the, the quantitative side of our conversation, but um, the qualitative and the quantitative side. So really getting to know someone. And so um, to me, you know, is looking at some, you know, really having those conversations and building, it helps me build and, and nurture those relationships because that to me is what's most important. It's not just collecting clients. And so of course, my memory as I get a little bit older is not always the best. And so I just always want to make sure, okay, what's this person like, you know, what's the name of their cat or what's the name of their dog or what, you know, what are the things that, that really inspire them? So to me, that's my CRM. And, you know, as I'm having conversations with people, I would die without my CRM. I love that. I think that's such an important system to have for any business. So yep. I 100% agree. <laughs> All right. Last rapid fire question. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? It is get out of your own head. And, you know, as a recovering and I am going through it still as a perfectionist, um, it is to get out of your own head and not allow the narratives that you tell yourself to hold you back. Um, and so I think it's always a work in progress for all of us. It's going to mean something different to, you know, where we are in our journey. Um, and to really, to not be afraid to fail. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. That's such good advice. And I think, you know, I'm a hundred percent a recovering perfectionist. So <laughs> I think it's just good advice for anybody. And I think it's like you said, one of those things where you're always on a journey to, to kind of write that and fix that. And, uh, so I, I love that. I think that's awesome advice to, to close out on. And I think that kind of ties into our conversation too, you know, like just recognizing that, you know, you kind of have to get out of your own head when it comes to your money and, and take those steps and take those risks and do what you got to do to build that financial future that you're looking for. So Thank I love you. that. Yeah. All right, Renee, tell everybody where they can find you. Where should they go when they want to connect with you? Because I know they're absolutely going to want to. Perfect. Well, they can always find me on my Instagram, uh, which is at R-E-N-E-E-L-O-R-I. So it's my first and middle name, Renee Laurie. Um, I am building out my social media uh, you know, strategy. So anyone that wants to help me with that, they certainly can, but I answer, you know, um, <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, my Achilles heel right now is my social media strategy. Um, but I am building out that, uh, you know, my social media strategy. So I always find, especially in this day and age that, you know, DMS on the social media on Instagram always work. And my email is Renee Cohen at nm.com is my email. I love that. And we will put all of that in the show notes so our listeners can connect with you and just get to know you and maybe even look to you for services if that's something that they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And they, I'm offering any of your listeners a 30-minute uh, money strategy, a free money strategy call. There's no obligations. Uh, it's just an opportunity for us to get acquainted, hear what's top of mind, for them and share some tips and strategies. Again, there's no, no obligations, especially in a year like we're living in right now. I want really, I want women to go into 2021 with some clarity and confidence um, and, and not feel the pressure of, you know, having to work together. 
Yes. I love that. I love that so much. And thank you from our listeners. Cause I'm sure they will appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Renee, I am kind of sad that this is over because I have loved talking to you. Your advice is amazing. And I just know that our listeners are going to get so much value out of this episode and just so many tangible tips and especially even just with the mindset piece. I know we got into that in the beginning and I'm just really, really excited for them to get to hear this and, and connect with you and follow along and learn from you because this has been absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for your time and just being able to uh, come share this wisdom and, and try to make it where women aren't so scared to talk about money and, and, you know, do have more flexibility and security with their finances. Cause I think that's such an important thing uh, that you're, you're putting out into the world. Yes. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Haley. I, th- I love what you are doing and in inspiring and empowering women um, to grow their businesses in their mindset. And so it's right back at you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. That's it for this time. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at femalesonfirepodcast.com to grab bonus content from our guests, support the show, or grab your Females on Fire swag. If you loved this episode, give us a quick shout out on Instagram by tagging at Females on Fire. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a brand new episode to keep you fired up for those big dreams.